Welcome to Bucks and Bales. This is where we'll talk to people about their archery journey and where they're at with it. It's a podcast about hunting and target archery and where life puts you on your archery journey. Current successes and failures and just all around life. Thank you for tuning in to Bucks and Bales, and if you'd like to connect, please email at bucksandbales at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bucks and Bales, everybody. I am glad you are here. This week, we have our co-host, Matt McAdance. And myself, Ziggy Cordum. And before I introduce our guest, you know, I gotta say that this person is an amazing dude. He's the vice president of the Little Crow Archery Club. He is a two-time state champion in one year. And he is officially the Great Value Trail Mix cover model. <laughs> and everybody knows that. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Fry. Dave, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. Good, awesome. You know, Dave, you and I have been hunting together for a few years now. So you know how kind of weird, you know, things can be, you know, around me and all that. So for you to come on the podcast, I really appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> you've been asking me uh, quite a few times. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited that, to be here. And the first time it was, well, I don't know. And then this last time he goes, you know what, I think I'll do it. So... <laughs> That was nice. Very nice. But, well, I don't know. How did regionals go last week, Matt? You know, up at the Little Crow. Uh, it was a very good turnout. Um, I think on Saturday, Saturday was, was busy. We have a 14-lane indoor range in there through midday. We had 12 of the 14 lanes full. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday morning was fairly busy. And then uh, I checked out at noon. I only worked half a Sunday, but I think overall, I think we ended up with forty-one. Yeah, that's right, forty-one. So that that's uh, you know for the first weekend or the second of three weekends, the first weekend that we hosted. Uh, this weekend, you can well, you can still shoot this weekend, February third and fourth, is the last mm-hmm. chance qualifier for the state indoor. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think things are gonna. I think there's gonna be a lot more people this year at the state indoor. Um, you know, the the clubs up north do a fabulous job of of hosting up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been up. We were up there in Cloquet last year. Those guys did a, a stand up job up there. Uh, a few years back, we went all the way up to Thief River Falls. They did an amazing job hosting up there. Um, so it, you know, I'm. Kind of excited to see how well this is going to go. Uh, I'm not familiar with the facility that we're going to be shooting in, um, but I know when it's been hosted by Duluth or other archery clubs up there in the in the Arrowhead area of the state, they do a phenomenal job. Yeah, it'll be kind of fun going up to the Iron Range. Yeah, you know, it's beautiful country if nothing else. Yeah, right. Yep, that's one of the reasons why I'm going too. Yeah, I, I love being up north. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're up there all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hunt up up uh, in Cross Lake a lot, and mm-hmm. um, obviously Camp Ripley, which I'm sure we'll talk about here. Oh heck yeah! Oh heck yeah! <laughs> we'll dive right into her. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I guess we'll start uh, quizzing Dave here. And, uh, you know, Dave, you've been shooting for quite a while. That's actually kind of how we got to be friends was our through archery, you know. And could you give us kind of a detailed overview of your archery history, you know, from, from when you started up to now? Yeah, so, um, I don't know. I've always kind of grown up with a bow. Um, uh, I, I started just on one of those little tiny kid compound bows mm -hmm. um, that every dad gets their kid. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, just running around the yard and shooting that thing. And, you know, my dad had a, bought a bow right around the time uh, I was... I don't know, four or five years old. And, uh, you know, I just I was always intrigued with bows. And um, I'll tell you a little short story about that bow that I had. Um, I went out to the archery range with my dad. Uh, it was an outdoor range in Minneapolis. And uh, I can't remember exa exactly where it was, but um, we were out there shooting our bow. Um, I was probably five years old maybe um and uh i got this bright idea that uh i wanted to fling an arrow into the air mm -hmm. and so while <laughs> while my dad was pulling his arrows out of the target um i i took an arrow and i knocked it up and flung it into the air and you talk about people running <laughs> like straight up straight up it was pretty much straight up yeah oh no <laughs> and, uh, so uh cleared out the range pretty quick there and uh it it did almost hit somebody but um i remember still shooting after that he didn't take my bow away but i was i was uh pretty well frowned upon after that so oh no I, it, it was a long time ago i can't remember how many people stuck around after that um, but, uh, <laughs> That was uh, kind of my introduction into target archery, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was my first bow. And um, then, you know, I I didn't really get into bow hunting or target archery really a lot until I was in my teen years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that bow that my dad had, uh, it was a browning bow. And uh, it said little tiny cams on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the pins were brass pins and i can't even remember what kind of rest it had but it was uh primitive primitive to say the least mm -hmm. and i just grabbed that bow and i started shooting it and i figured you know if if i could hit a paper plate just pretty much like anybody says i can kill a deer yeah so that was my goal is to get proficient at hitting a paper plate and i did that and uh, I used that bow for quite a while. Um, I never killed a deer that, with it, but mm -hmm. um, I did hunt with it. And um, after that bow, I so I shot that bow so much, I blew the strings off of it. Really? Yep. Ouch. And, yeah, it's, it was pretty well trashed. I think mm -hmm. it still is. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we still have it somewhere, but, um, my mom also had a bow and I never, I don't think she ever went hunting. I don't know how much she shot it. I never saw her shoot it really, yeah. but it was a left-handed bow. Oh, and okay. 
so when that browning bow broke, basically, um, I grabbed that left-handed bow from my mom's. Had no idea what draw length or anything it was, but uh, I taught myself how to shoot a left-handed bow and use my left eye to uh, to aim with the targets. And I got pretty proficient at it, actually. Really? Yeah. It was, oh, wow. It was kind of cool to you know, go from the right hand, my dominant, and then teach myself how to do it left hand. It was, mm -hmm. it was a, just interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I don't think I ever hunted with that bow. Um, you know, I, I was pretty, I, I could definitely hit a paper plate just like the other bow. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know if I really felt confident enough to go hunting with it. Um, if somebody asked me to go hunting, I probably would have. You know, mm -hmm. grabbed that bow and, and did some hunting, but, uh, but yeah, that's, so that was my kind of third bow that I had. And, and then, um, I really kind of wanted to start hunting. So I was kind of looking for another bow and we were up at, uh, uh my uncle's cabin slash house. Mm -hmm. He lives up there now, but, um, it was called the cabin back then. Our, our hunting grounds in um, Wisconsin and there was a raffle for his snowmobile club and they were giving away a gun and all kinds of stuff and whatever so we put in for raffle tickets and um, I didn't win anything out off the raffle and I was kind of upset about it but uh, my brother ended up winning a bear bow and it was all set up had a quiver uh, rest sights everything and it was leaps and bounds from the bows that I was shooting. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was like the cat's meow when I got it. Um, and my brother ended up giving that bow to me for my birthday. Really? Yeah. He uh, he doesn't he doesn't bow hunt. Um, he doesn't really hunt a lot. So he, you know, he wasn't going to use it. So it was a perfect gift. You know, just to yeah. to regift, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I used that bow for quite a while. And, um, honestly, I'm not, I don't think I ever shot a deer with that bow either. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I've, I've got a couple of stories about shooting some deer, but, um, before I started actually getting into uh, a lot of archery, but, um, yeah, I, I did hunt with the bow, uh, just in the back 40 on our property, but I could never get close to a deer to, uh, to kill it. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's that bow. Um, so years down the road, I got married and, um, you know, kind of put bow hunting off for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I was working at a, a shop and a coworker said he had a Matthews bow for sale. And I was like, well, I want that thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I asked him how much he wants for it. And he's like 300 bucks. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll take it. I don't care what what kind of bow it is. It's a Matthews. I, I'm I'm sure it's good. It was all set up. Said there was sights, rest, um, quiver, the the whole deal, and uh, it was a Matthews switchback. And with that bow, um, I actually got to kill my first deer um, up in Wisconsin at my uncle's cabin, and uh, my my wife and kids were there, so that was a a pretty cool uh, cool deal to, to be able to kill a deer with them there 
Um, but, uh, so yeah, that, and that deer that I shot, um, with that bow, I shot at 50 yards. Um, not my best shot. Uh, it was a, it was a doe came out and, um, it was, it was at 50 yards and that was my max. Like that was the maximum that I ever practiced. And I let an arrow fly at it and I, I hit it in the leg mm -hmm. and I knew I hit it cause I saw the arrow dive off and, uh, you know, kind of fly weird. So I, I knew that I hit it, but I didn't know where. And I, I saw it jump across, um, a road and it was on, on the other side of the road. So I jumped down from my tree stand and, um, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about letting them sit or whatever, but, mm -hmm. um, I wasn't going to let this deer get away. Mm -hmm. And I started creeping across this meadow that I was hunting and I see it just standing across the road. And I didn't know, I didn't know where I hit it or what. So I knocked another arrow and, uh, ranged it and it was at 51 yards and it's looking straight at me and said, well, either I'm going to shoot this thing or I'm not. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be tracking something that I don't even know if I hit good. So I let, let another arrow fly at 51 yards and I nailed it right in the heart. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it tipped over and I saw the, saw the arrow sticking up out of the deer. Um, and I knew I hit it. So I, and it was down. So I just, I let it sit. I went up to the, uh, to the cabin and told everybody, you know, and got, got my boys out there and, and my wife and we went over and, and, uh, found it. And so you know, does, but at this point, did you have to go clean your pants out first? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, I, 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 I couldn't believe, you know, I had to make a 50 yard shot on, the, on my first deer. Um, that's not really the way I wanted to do it, but right. yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, those, those first deer experiences can be kind of a train wreck. Yeah. I, I remember mine, it was an absolute train wreck. The only good thing is, is I, I did manage to see it go down in front of me, you know, so that, that was kind of nice, but boy, what a train wreck that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I was telling everybody this year that uh, this is the first year that I've ever seen a deer go down. But now that I'm telling that story, I did see that deer go down. So yeah. that was mm -hmm. that was kind of neat. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was just a small fawn, so I'm sure it it got hit by a, a freight train and probably died from from scared from being scared <laughs> or something. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think but, I yeah. saw the picture of that. Like it, Micah was just a little pike. Yeah, yeah, Micah was little, um, Ryan was little, and I think Luke was there too, but I'm not 100% sure. I think you're um, right. I, I'm, well, actually, I'm sure he's, he was there, because that wasn't too long ago, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was that was a, nice to be able to spend that, that moment with the kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, uh, that was the first year I shot, and that was with that bear. Or no, that was with the Matthews that I had just got. Yep. The, the switchback? Yep. Um, yeah, it was an awesome bow. Um, I ended up shooting uh, that doe, and then I also shot a couple bucks with that um, that bow. And I shot uh, two bear with that bow. 
And then I also shot uh, my first 300 at uh, archery. So mm -hmm. I was pretty, uh, pretty excited about that. Um, the, the first 300, I actually shot the week after league was over. So I remember that. <laughs> I yeah, was, I do too. I was pretty pissed, you know. I didn't get my my name up on the three hundred club plaque uh, for the for the leagues, but uh, you know I was super excited that I was able to shoot the three hundred, and um, I just I was upset that I hadn't got one for the for the year. Um, you know, I shoot shooting two ninety eights, two ninety nines consistently. I just could not hit that three hundred. So I, after leagues were over, I went in the range by myself and I just sat down and focused on shooting and, and that's when the 300 came. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that first one, you know, they just come like so easy. It, not, not that I'm saying it's easy, but, uh, but it's, once you get one, you're not focused on trying to do it anymore. Right, yeah, once you get over that hump, you know, once you get that first one out of the way, you know, it may be a round or two, but the second one will come, and then then it just kind of becomes your norm, your your mental understanding. You you won that mental part of the game. Exactly. You know, you got the six inches mm -hmm. between your ears kind of dialed in where, I can do this. The, the, the 300 is easy, and now it's the 50X, the 55X is where, you know, you, you start playing the mind games, you know. Like when I first started knocking out 300s, I'd always take them home. You know, I saved yeah. every 300 I shot. I'd write the score on it. I'd put the date on it, and I'd sign it. And then one day I, I went downstairs in my archery room, and I got a stack of targets. It's like 10 inches tall, you know? And I'm like, what am I going to do with these things? You know, I got, I got all these 300 targets. I could wallpaper a house with these things. Who who wants? That's a good idea. idea. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so, in the recycling bin they went. I just kept my high X count and and uh, recycled all the rest. But sure, yeah, I had you know three or four of them in there at that fifty eight mark, and I just kept the the latest one with fifty eight and put that on the wall, and the rest of them went to the recycling bin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyways, with that. With that bow, with that 300, you know, I, I at that time I, I really wanted a new bow, um, really bad, uh -huh. and but I I just kept telling myself, you know, like if if I can't shoot a 300 with the bow that I got, why is a new bow gonna do any better for me? So that was that was another motivating factor in shooting a 300. Is once I shot that, I was gonna buy myself a, a new bow. So, mm -hmm. um, so then I did, you know, um, I, I ended up shooting or purchasing a, uh, a Matthews V3X. Um, and I've had that for a few years now, um, about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been real happy with that bowl. Well, yeah, that, um, that one, you bought the three hundreds with that one. I mean, you, you three, I mean, you can shoot down the lane blindfolded and get a 300 now pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's not the bow you know yeah, it, right. it's, it's definitely the shooter um, yeah definitely i mean i know other guys that have the same bow and they can't shoot a 300 you know yeah. so mm -hmm. um definitely it takes practice but yeah it, it, it does, does help to have a little better equipment it does the technology <laughs> is always nice mm -hmm. yeah 
So. That, that's cool. And another thing is, you know, with, you, with your new bow and everything now, when you're shooting target archery, you're still shooting your hunting setup, right? Yeah, I, uh, I shoot the bow hunter class um, with a bow hunter setup. Um, I have tried to put a, a long stabilizer on the bow before and, and uh, I don't know, I just testing it out, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, every time I shoot is a bow hunter freestyle type class. Mm -hmm. um, and I use, you know, bow hunting arrows. Um, I have, I do have some 27s that I, I was dabbling with a little bit last year, but, uh, I, I like shooting the bow hunter classes at state and, uh, only having really one bow to work with. Um, I just want to keep a hunting setup. Um, and that's kind of been my goal in archery to this, you know, kind of to this point. Um, this year I've kind of had my mind set up or made up that I was going to purchase a, a, a target archery bow. Um, but uh, I just decided, you know, I'm going to wait a, another year at least. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I want to be able to be proficient with my hunting bow so that I can go hunting. Mm -hmm. I don't want to shoot a, a different bow all year and then grab my hunting bow right before hunting season and have a different draw cycle and you know different uh anchor point or you know just a whole different bow setup yeah so i'm i'm still focusing on the on the bow hunter side mm -hmm. um, maybe next year i'll i'll upgrade and it could be a downgrade for me too you know you never you never know <laughs> yeah um i thought about doing a a traditional bow this year too but you know i just i'm just gonna focus on what i've got Mm-hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I kind of got the traditional fever going, but uh, I haven't acted upon it yet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it would be fun to do. Um, this, listening some, to some of these guys shoot traditional archery, I think it's it's cooler than than what it actually sounds like. You know, everybody wants to grab a compound bow to shoot a deer, but. If you could shoot a deer with a traditional bow, or even just be proficient with a traditional bow, that that's a step above the compound guys to me. To me too. Right? Yeah. I mean, what the guys can do with a stick and a string is is just crazy. But I mean, if you go to any uh, MSA indoor shoot, happiest guys in the room, traditional guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. not that they're not competitive and not that they don't have expectations of their own, but they're, I think their expectations are a little bit more realistic than your average compound shooter. I mean, I mean, I, myself and, and I know, Dave, your expectations are set high. Yep. You know? If you're not shooting X's, you're, you're letting yourself down. Yep. And traditional guys, they don't shoot an X all the time. They're shooting, you know, into the three rings and four rings and, yep, and you know, I'm sorry, the the fours and the and the threes and um, yeah, they they just expect it. We're we're expecting an X every single time. Yeah, we're expecting perfection. They're expecting proficiency. Yes, yep. you know, that's so, a good way of explaining it. But yeah, I mean, in, in let's, I mean. Granted, some of the pro shooters around the world, 
Stefan Hansen, I think is how you pronounce his name, shooting 90 straight X's out at uh, the Mount, uh, Mount Rushmore Rumble. Um, I, didn't, I didn't look at the results from Lancaster, uh, but I know there's a ton of guys that just pounded the X's out there, and now uh, today is being the first day of the Vegas out there in, in Vegas. You know there's going to be some amazing archery stories, right? Mm -hmm. It's just going to happen. Someone's yeah. going to come through, whether it be Bodie or Stefan Hansen yeah. or some other guy that just comes out of the woodwork, you know? Mm -hmm. So... But, you know, the compound shooters, we expect perfection. Mm -hmm. We just do. Yep. And if you don't, you're in my my mind, if you, if you don't expect perfection, you're cheating yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, my goal always is to outdo myself. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not in it to outdo somebody else because if I try to do that, I'm, I'm going to start going downhill in a hurry. Um, but... You know, even going to the to the um, state shoots, my goal is always to outdo myself. Mm -hmm. um, this year might be a little hard, but uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that maybe. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's one. You know, you said you shot your first three hundred. Yep. You know, and when you first joined the club, it was gosh, I don't know what was it, six eight years ago. Something like that. Yeah, so I think it was like seven years ago. You know, I mean, everybody starts somewhere, you know. Mm -hmm. So you've greatly evolved in your shooting, your indoor shooting especially. And, you know, can you kind of explain to us how that took shape or, or what you've done to make yourself better kind of through that? Yeah, so <clears throat> as far as the, you know, like joining the club and all that, um, I, I actually, before I joined the club, I wanted to get my kids into shooting sports. And the only way that I really knew how to do that was through 4-H. Mm -hmm. And I was, so I signed them up for 4-H and everything, and I, uh, I brought them to our our club club range and um where, where 4-h is is hosted the shooting sports and i was doing that for a couple of years and i don't know i not that 4-h is bad i i was in 4-h when i was younger and and everything i loved it but uh as a parent you know it's just such a commitment with all the um all the all the extra stuff that you have to do with 4-h and i just wanted to shoot and the kids just wanted to shoot mm -hmm. so I was at the range for a couple of years before I figured out that there was an actual club there and that had the range. So when I found that out, we, uh, we just decided to join the club and start shooting there, uh, during the league time and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how I evolved into the, the target archery stuff is, you know, just getting the kids into that. And then, I joined a league, um, you know, Zig, you got me into, into the club, you know, it kind of, kind of told me about it and I joined the animal league and I joined, uh, the 300 league and I just joined so that I could shoot with some other guys. Mm -hmm. um, that's all I was there for. Um, I wasn't there to shoot a 300. I didn't even know what a 300 was when I first joined. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but we'd get together for Animal League, and um, 
uh, just to have a good time. And then I saw all these guys shooting 300s, and, or the 300 league, and I thought, well, I can hone in my skills a little bit. And I didn't take it seriously the, the first couple of years. Um, you know, I was missing a couple weak scores throughout the, the league on the first couple of years, and um, just not super understanding what what it took to win a competition. Mm -hmm. Well, that third year, I I just decided for myself that I was going to make a commitment to shoot every single week. I was going to get a score in every single week. And I, I did that and I accomplished it. And um, through that, I kind of started to understand what league was and what, what it took to win a league. And so that, that brought me into my next year. And, um, that's when I, when I was shooting, uh, the, you know, up in the two nineties, uh, high two nineties and, um, really kind of honing my skills in and, and focusing on what makes a, a, a good target archer. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, Matt, he was always at the range, um, giving us pointers uh at that point i had all the all the family into the range mm -hmm. um i i've got my wife and i've got five boys that uh, we all shoot archery and um i gotta say at first you know matt's an intimidating looking guy i mean uh <laughs> you know he, he rides a harley and um all this kind of stuff and when we walked into the range and matt was there you know all the boys were like timid walking around Matt well come to find out Matt's kind of like a, a big teddy bear you know and, and full of information and and has just this passion for youth you know I'd you, you'd never know by looking at the guy but uh yeah he's a he's a humble guy so <laughs> yeah I, I, um, you know when it when it comes to kids in in archery that's that's my weak spot that is uh that is very true. I, I, I've got a weak spot. If kids want to learn how to shoot and they're willing to listen, I'll go out of my way to make sure they learn how. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'd, we'd go home, you know, and I'd tell the kids, I'd be like, listen to Matt. He knows what he's talking about. You know, he, 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 he told us how to, how to hold our bows and how, how not to, you know, grip the grip, you know, have an open hand and just small things like that, that we learned throughout the, the league. Um, it really helped out the kids and, and, uh, and then I was listening too. I didn't let them know, but I was listening too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, I guess, did that answer your question? Yeah. You know, yeah. Mean? You know, well, you know, I mean, um, basically you just, you, you learn a little more every day. And and you were always looking for that next step and always looking to get better all the time. You still are. Yeah. Yep. Always yeah. always looking for that next thing that can make me better. Um and, and to beat myself. Um mm -hmm. I think that's that's the main goal. So And the cool part about that is, you know, you actually realize that it's that it's you, not your bow. You know what I mean? And as archers we need to learn that. We need to learn that it's not the bow. It's how I'm doing it. 
Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You go to any state shoot, everybody's got a quiver full of excuses. Mm-hmm. And, and what it comes down to is you didn't commit to that shot. Mm-hmm. Whether it be on your draw cycle, on your, on your setup, or you didn't follow through on your release, something, you failed that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I learned that a long time ago that, you know what, I fucked up. Yeah. I, I made a bad shot. I got to own it. So I did it. I'm done. Now I got to move on. I got to start over with my pre-shot routine, going through my draw cycle, getting anchored, and so that I can get rid of what I screwed up on that last arrow. Because every it, in a 300 round, you got 60 individual games. 60 arrows. Every mm-hmm. arrow is its own game. Yep. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and for me, I haven't mastered all 60. There, there's always a few that get me. You know, so I'm I'm much like you, or I'm still searching for that next step, and I don't know. It's a big step yep. because I've been looking a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you say that each arrow is its own game. Um, you know, you sh- you shoot a bad arrow. There's another one right be- right behind it that's a brand new arrow, and it's going down the range different than the last one. Yep, and mm-hmm. it, if it if you screwed up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you didn't screw up, it better go down the same way. But right, um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a new experience every single arrow. Yeah. So. yeah, that that's really good. I mean, for me, for me especially, you know, I mean, those those are good words. I like that. But uh, so now, I guess we'll kind of shift gears a little bit. You know, you're you're vice president of the Little Crow Archery Club, right? Yep, I've evolved into that. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, I got talked into it. <laughs> I, I kind of remember yeah. you being getting talked into the board of directors. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got two guys sitting here. One of them uh, was was going off the board and uh, asked me. Uh, I wouldn't mention any names, Ziggy. No, but, not at uh, all. Yeah, and then uh, Matt's Matt's got me into a VP position here too. So. <laughs> Influence. <laughs> yep. Oh, geez. So you're the right man for the job. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm doing a good job. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? I you know I've been around the 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 board of directors and officers and stuff for many years. Um, and, and I've said it before. You know, the, the generation before us handed it to our generation you know uh, we never really own it right they they maintained it and the generation before them built it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's just our responsibility to make sure that we have something to hand over to the next generation which is our kids you know and, and there's no doubt in my mind the club is healthy the club is one of the best boards um board of directors and officers that I, I've seen in a long time. I, I think our club is healthy. I think it's thriving. It's bouncing back from COVID very well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we got a group of people that work very well together. And it, it, I see a lot of positive moving forward with with the group of guys that are kind of the, the needle and thread that are holding our club together and make sure our lights are on and the heat is on and there's targets there for people to shoot. You know, a lot of people don't realize what it takes to make a club run. Yep. And it's guys like you, Dave, that help keep that moving forward every week. 
especially through our busy season, which is our indoor season. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, and I don't even do as much as some of the other, other people in the club either. So, um, But, uh, yeah, it definitely takes a, a big effort to, to keep it going. Yeah. Yep, and that's, that's another thing is, you know, you, you, if you have this club and you appreciate it, you don't even need to be a member of the board of directors. You know, just by helping with a shoot or vacuuming the line or anything or sweeping it if you're alone in there. Stay in the garbage out when it's full. All the little things uh, the, 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 me the good members of like Little Crow do. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it is. And the hardest part about a club, I, in my opinion, is to initially build it. You know, you know what I mean? Like the, the people that first built Little Crow. And right now in Alexandria, they're, they're going through that right now. You know, if you listen to last week's podcast, you know, they're, they're trying to get something established. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so best of luck to them. And as far as little crow goes, you know, thanks for being the vice president. Thank you for being the board of directors. You know, I mean, it's because of you guys that, uh, I get to go there and just check out for a few minutes and let some arrows fly. So thanks. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's easy when, uh, when you enjoy what you're doing too. It's, I'm there all the time shooting. So why not? help out while I'm while I'm there or help out at an event or something um you know most time I get to shoot anyways so um or or get to participate somehow mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yep yeah it's uh it's it's fairly easy so. yeah yeah it's good times <clears throat> so you mentioned earlier that your wife and all your kids are shooting archery yep you know yep so, you know, that can sometimes be pretty pricey. Yeah, it definitely it definitely was to get everybody some bows and and uh and get started. Um, you know, like I like I said I got that switch back for 300 bucks and uh that was my bow. Mm -hmm. Um and then to get my other two guys into archery, um they were shooting at 4H and they were you know, pretty good, but we were using the, the uh, what are those bows called? Genesis the, bows? Yeah, the Genesis bows. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they just couldn't progress at all with the Genesis bows. Um, they were shooting their best, but it just, you know, it frustrated them because they couldn't progress in their shooting. So I took them to uh, archery country, and um, I, I'm also a beekeeper, and the, this plays into the story. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the kids, they, they were helping me with the bees and stuff, so I'd give them half the money, and, uh, and that was their portion. Well, they saved up a, you know, a good amount of money, and so we went to the archery shop, and they actually purchased half of their bow um, at, the, at the archery shop. So I said, I'll, I'll buy bows, but you got to put some money into it. So they ended up paying for half of their, their bows, the, the older two, Micah and Ryan. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we got a couple bows for them and then all of a sudden everybody else wanted to start shooting too. So, mm -hmm. um, a couple, a couple years after that, and, uh, I ended up getting bows for, uh, Luke. Um, I actually bought a bow from Matt for Ben. Um, it was his son's bow 
and uh, that's what he's shooting now. Um, and then Weston, he actually won his bow at our club uh, banquet. We, we give a, away a bow every year for the youth, and um, he was the lucky guy that won it that year. Mm -hmm. So it just worked out perfect. I mean, it's a perfect size bow for him, and, and uh, he loves shooting it. And he just shot his, his personal best uh, this week at the regional shoot, too. He shot a, a two eighty six. Really? Yeah. That's um, a good score. That's that's a, a phenomenal score for a 10-year-old. Uh, yeah, there <laughs> wasn't much left of the center of that target. No. Yeah, because yeah. you're shooting single spot. Yep. Yeah, it was, he was just pounding them in there. We were standing towards the back at a range, and it's like, Wow, that kid's really backing him in there. <laughs> yeah, he, he shot a two, I think a two sixty-seven, a two eighty, and a two eighty-six. This uh, this for the regionals. I was like, wow. And he's the only one that wants to go to to state. So mm -hmm. you know, that's yep, that's all right. Uh, I don't force my kids to to do anything, um, but they they do love to shoot. So uh, that's all I can ask. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my boys love to shoot too, but they never did the. My Jaden did a couple competitions with me. Dawson's done a few, um, but they just never really, you know, got sucked into punching paper like I did, I mm -hmm. guess. And but I'm I'm kind of seeing it still slowly starting to transform. You know, my oldest one out in Sioux Falls, he's actually shooting league out there, and. Uh, my youngest one, Dawson. Now he's shooting. He started with shooting paper animal league this year, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's pretty cool. It, you know, I mean, the family archery aspect is it's pretty neat thing. You yeah. Know, and, I mean, there's, it's 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 uh, it, it's kind of in some places it's kind of grown away from that, but you guys are still holding true to that, and that's I think that's a great thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so all the all these bows that I bought, um, all my kids and my wife shoot a mission bow. Um, they're great bows to start out with. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I like them because they're adjustable for the kids, um, and and they can hunt with them too. Um, even as an adult, if they don't ever want to buy a bow again, they can always pull that bow out and adjust it to the what fits them. I believe they go up to seventy pounds. Am I right with that, Matt? Or yeah, I think you got to buy I different mean, limbs, but they will. Yeah, yeah they will handle up to seventy pound limbs. Yeah. Yep. So oh, right. I mean, they can, they can really go through their whole life with that bow if they really wanted to, and never buy another bow. Yep. Um, but uh, I told them I buy them, buy them a bow, and the next one's theirs. So. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think Jake <clears throat> said that mission was built by Matthews, mm -hmm. so you yep. get the Matthews warranty that stands behind the mission. Uh, trade name, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. I I thought it was a perfect setup until Dawson wanted to move on to bigger and better things. That's why I sold it to 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 Dave. Um, but uh, but yeah, they're 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 a good setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw it firsthand this year. Uh, Micah's buck, you know, didn't, yeah. didn't did he shoot that with a mission? Yep, that was his mission bow. Uh, that was his first buck uh that he's ever got uh or first deer that he's ever shot with a bow mm -hmm. uh, with archery equipment and um yeah that was pretty cool to to see that develop um i mean i've been hunting with him for years with a bow and 
he he's had shots at deer um but could never connect a arrow to a deer and um finally this year he's he's 17 now and he's driving and kind of on his own and he came up to camp ripley this year he drove up by himself a little bit later after work um he went out and he found his own spot in in camp ripley um i'd never hunted that spot at all or even told him about it he found it by himself uh set up his own stand and sat there i think it was all three days wasn't it the last day that he shot his deer uh, i think it was second to last day he shot it uh wasn't it because that that would have been the day me and brad were next to him kind of like a mile or okay two yep away. that was the second last day so yeah but uh yeah anyways he he sat there and i mean he's put hours and hours and hours and hours in the stand with bow hunting and i was like just so happy that he connected a deer to that arrow it just it's just a really cool uh experience of, as a dad you know yeah. i was pretty proud of him so. yeah that was awesome but well anyway right now yeah 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 awesome but, but well anyway right now i'll take a short break and then uh we'll get it right back all right we only had about a five beer break there so uh we're good to go <laughs> third, third street brewing if anybody cares to donate to the cause yeah, yeah. So yeah, we found Third Street Brew House, uh, Minnesota Gold Light, up at the up at the Liquor Hutch. Yeah, yeah they're not bad either. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a Bush Lightish kind of. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. So, so if you own that place and you're listening, if you care to sponsor, you know, make some contacts. We'll take her. Yeah. Heck yeah. And and we love banging X's and drinking beers too. So there you go. Absolutely. Well, anyway, so Dave, uh, can you kind of tell me how you got into Camp Ripley and can we go into some of the stories about Camp Ripley? <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to tell you how I got into Camp Ripley. I'm going to tell everybody else because uh, you're the one that got me into Camp Ripley, Zig. Um, <clears throat> it, and it's kind of a, a funny story, you know. Um, I don't normally just hang out with people I just met, but, uh, um, I, I met Zig at a, uh, a pumpkin carving party for our kids. And I had never met either of these families. Um, it was Ziggy and his family and then, uh, Brad Hunt and his family. And, uh, we met at Brad's house and, uh, the kids were off doing their pumpkin carving with the girls and and uh the guys were you know having a couple beers off to the side and just talking and i had just shot my first deer um that fall i believe with my with archery and um i just kind of mentioned it i don't even know if i told you the whole story or not um but uh just kind of mentioned that i have shot a deer with a bow and then we just went on with the night. So fast forward like months later, um, from October to, I remember I was putting my garden in. So when I got the phone call, um, Zig calls me up and he's like, Hey, I don't know if you remember me or not, but, uh, 
This is Ziggy, and we we were at the pumpkin carving party. Would uh, do you remember me? And I'm like, oh yeah, Zig, you're a cool guy, you know. I remember you. And uh, he's like, you know, I got a funny question for you. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to go to Camp Ripley with me. And uh, I knew about Camp Ripley, but I didn't know that much about Camp Ripley. And I was like, well. Heck yeah, I'm going to go. If somebody asks me to go hunting, I'm going to go. So um, that's kind of how we got into it. Uh, there was one other guy. Uh, Kevin. Kevin came with us that year. Yeah. All right. Kevin came with us that first year too. And um, so it was the three of us. I had never met Kevin either until uh, until like a week before we went to Camp Ripley. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into the Camp Ripley game. Um, I don't know if I would have done it on my own or not, but uh, I really appreciate the phone call. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that first year we didn't know anything. No, we didn't know anything. Um, we we literally we, we didn't even get in line. We and you, we never get in line. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think we did for the first time last year. We got in line mm -hmm. on the first day but uh not the other days and um and so yeah we just went in there and kind of drove around for a little while the first day just trying to figure it out because you're not going to go out into a place that you don't know and set up a stand and do everything in the dark off of i don't even know i don't even think i had on x back then i, I think it, maybe it was just Google Earth I was looking at to try to maybe find a spot. But mm -hmm. when you get in there, all the spots that you think that you found on Google Earth or on X or whatever program that you've used, everybody else has already found that spot. Yeah. Um, it, it's like almost impossible to find a spot on, on one of those programs that hasn't already found, been found. But with that being said, there's also a ton of spots in there that there nobody goes to as mm -hmm. well. And they're some stellar spots. Um, but yeah, if you're going to go for the first time, I wouldn't even plan on hunting the first morning. I would probably just get in there and just drive around and look at the terrain and the areas that are, there is to hunt because the camp ripley has anything that you want to hunt for minnesota mm -hmm. um you know it's got it's got the river it's got lakes it's got swamps it's got hardwoods um meadows pine forests um i mean you name it rolling hills flat areas and it, pinch points and whatever it's all there yeah, the, so. the structure of the land or the layout of the land is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you can go from flat prairie land to some of the the hills and the ravines they got up towards the north end, it, it's just insane how crazy the terrain can, can change. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, yeah. If you want to hunt out of a, or next to a house, you can hunt next to a 
you know, one of those little military houses, those structures. If you want to hunt out of a, a helicopter, you can hunt out of a helicopter if you want. <laughs> yeah. That helicopter doesn't have an engine, and it's pretty run down, but uh, you could hunt out of it, I think. Yeah, bullet holes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got, if you want to hunt next to an airport, you can hunt next to an airport. Yeah. You know, I yeah. did once. Yeah. One year we hunted by, uh, we don't know what it's called, but it looked like a city in Iraq. You know, oh I mean, yeah, little Baghdad they call that. Yeah, so we we call it we call it little Iraq. So mm -hmm. we based out of there. We parked the trucks right there, Main Street, Iraq. You know, and uh, we we hunted from there. Mm -hmm. But you know, when we pulled in, there was three does standing right in the middle of the road, mm -hmm. right yeah. downtown Baghdad. Yeah, you know, it's like mm -hmm. wow, this might be a good spot to hunt. You know. No, that didn't work out for me either. So nothing's worked for me in that damn place. One one doe in all the years I've been there. So I don't know. Yeah, good. It's well, good hunting. When it's time to shoot, man, you gotta shoot. No, I'm... that's true. <laughs> that is true. <clears throat> so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how we got started, though. Um, just driving around and. And uh, that first year, we didn't get anything. Um, didn't expect to, really, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But uh, we found some pretty cool spots. Um, I, I believe the, the spot that you shot your big buck out of, we found that year, didn't we? We did. We found it that first year. And that spot was, you and Kevin were really eyeballing that spot. Yep, yep. I think it was the two of you that decided, hey, this is where we need to go. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. And... You know, kind of pure luck that we found it, but, mm -hmm. uh, and it's not an easy spot to get to either. No. Um, it's a, it's a hike to get to that spot. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just driving around, that's, that's how you find it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was fun. That's fun. And the, and the more years you go, the more opportunities you have to, to do the scouting. So, um, and, and the more opportunities you have to get up there, the uh the better you're gonna understand the the lay of that land and everything um which kind of brings me into the camp Ripley youth hunt oh it's, yeah it's all right we talked about that already but um mm -hmm. uh with the camp ripley youth hunt um you know it's i want to preface it by saying it's absolutely not for the adult hunter to go out and scout and um and find their own spot mm -hmm. um it's for it's for the kids and it's a teaching moment for the kids um with that said though um you're out there two three weeks before the regular hunt and you are you're out in the areas that you could potentially be hunting as well um you're you're bringing the youth out you're teaching them how to look for deer and where the signs are. You're, you're out finding signs. And, um, you know, this is all, uh, the, the, the Camp Ripley pretty much happens. The regular hunt happens before the rut, you know, mm -hmm. pre-rut. And, um, so you're still with the youth hunt a couple weeks before that, you're still looking at the same deer that you're going to hunt that week. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, there's a lot of people pushing them around yeah. uh, during that during that uh, regular hunt. Now, on the youth hunt, do they limit you to a certain section of Camp Ripley? So they 
they used to um it all used to be on the north side when i started going um and i believe that's north of casino road is where it was um this last year i'm sorry it was two years ago they opened it up to pretty much the whole camp ripley um, there's some areas that they're still doing some military training and stuff in uh, that you they block off but it's basically the same layout as the muzzleloader the veteran muzzleloader hunt they're, okay. they're trying to coincide the muzzleloader hunt with the youth hunt to get that area the same so mm -hmm. um it it was awesome when they opened that up because um i mean you gotta get up kind of early to get up to the north side so. it's a long drive to that it's, north end it's mm -hmm. up to casino road it's it's at least a half hour like 35 minutes just to get there and then just to get the casino road just to get casino road and then you're you're then you have to go into the hunting area so yeah um yeah and we were hunting you know way up in the north side and you have to be back by a certain time and it was just uh it, it wasn't that fun to to shut down early so yeah that's that's the only thing is like you know when you're hunting up there if you're way up on that north end well you got to be out of there by 7 p.m which means you got to be out of the stand. You're pissing away the last 20 minutes mm -hmm. of prime hunting time mm -hmm. by walking back to your truck so that you can drive 30 miles an hour. Or is it 25? The 25. 25, 25 yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> and if you're at the very north end, it's 26 miles back. Because mm -hmm. Camp Ripley's 26 miles long, north yep. to south. It takes over an hour to drive back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and... You know, it's kind of crazy. You set the cruise at 25, then you just watch the headlights pile up behind you. You mm -hmm. know, because very few people actually drive 25 miles an hour. Yeah. I've seen people get pulled over up there, though. I got oh, yeah. I, I had a guy. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. I I almost got booted out of there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I, I had a guy pass me, and uh, there was a cop waiting, or a, a range control guy waiting over the next hill. <laughs> And uh, I was kind of glad he passed me because I was already doing, you know, a little over 30 and he, he was in a hurry. I don't know where he was going, but uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was the only truck. I was happy he passed me. And, and we were going back early. I don't know, something, what we were doing. We were heading back early. Nobody in front of me, nobody behind me. It's a long straightaway along down that east side. Mm -hmm. You know, I get the crew set in my needles kind of wherever you know i knew it was just over 25 miles an hour and we could see this guy from a long ways away i am like well i got my crew set you know i'm just whatever next thing i know he gets out of his truck and he just stands in the middle of the road in front of me and here's you know a 20 year old kid mm -hmm. and i pull up to him like how you doing and he just chewed my you know how damn fast you were going and i'm like oh Listen here, you little shit. <laughs> you know? Like, it's not like my hair was on fire, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this morning I got passed by like 20 trucks. Yeah. You know? Uh -huh. So I think you might be picking on the wrong guy here. But, but yeah, that, that young guy, I don't know if he just had a uh, complex or something that day. Maybe his girlfriend kicked him out of the house. I don't know. He was pissed. <laughs> and I'm, he goes, you were doing 31. And I'm like, well... Sorry, but you know. <laughs> yep, they'll get you for going 
a mile an hour over. Yeah. I mean, they don't, and, and if you're on your phones too. They do yeah. not allow you to be on your phone while right. you're driving. Yeah. They'll, they'll get you every time for that. And too. that's just the thing. Ripley, uh, especially during the big hunt, is either dust or mud. Yeah. Yeah. There's no in between. There's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you were talking about the youth hunt. Sorry we yeah, sorry so, I bugged you in the middle. Yeah, we got off a little rabbit trail there. But <laughs> um, yeah, I've been doing it since 2018. Um, I had to look it up because it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's usually the second weekend in October. I think the, this last year it was the first weekend, mm -hmm. but, um, um, one of the things, uh, that, that you have to take in consideration with the youth hunt is, uh, each youth hunter needs a mentor, um, and they have to have their own mentor. So like I've got five boys, so once in a while it's a little tough for me to, to figure out who to, who I can get for a mentor. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't think I've ever brought more than two at a time, but, um, you know, it, uh, you, you just have to keep in mind that, uh, if you're a dad, you know, you, and you've got a couple of kids that want to go, you just need a, a second mentor because they don't allow you to sit with two kids at the same time. Um, you can be in the same area if you want to, but, uh, just not, uh, not the same mentor for uh, two kids. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then there's a, a little orientation class that you have to go through before the kids and you can go out into the field. Um, and that's the day before the hunt. So you get up there and you do a little orientation class. They teach you where to go, where not to go, um, a little bit of safety rules. Um, the, the kids, they've got to wear a harness. Uh, it's not required for the adults, but it's highly encouraged since you're sitting with a youth that's required to have a harness um i would definitely recommend using a harness i i use a harness every time and that's one thing that i've instilled in my kids bow hunting especially up in these tree stands is safety um, mm -hmm. and that's one thing i'm not willing to budge on so um definitely wear your wear your harness but uh yeah they do a little orientation class for that um and then um, after that orientation class, then you can go out and scout and hang your stands, which is um, probably the the best opportunity that you're going to get to teach the kids. Um, and like I said before, you can teach them however you want because there's all kinds of land up there. I mean, if if you only know how to hunt hardwoods, you can teach them how to hunt hardwood. If uh, if you want to try to teach them something different and, and learn with the kid, you can do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a learning experience for not only the, the kids, but it's a learning experience for the adult too. Um, I've, I've learned a ton up there just, uh, how to bow hunt because I, I grew up, um, you know, just hunting deer and that was it. I, and not even really hunting. I, we, we'd just go out and sit in a, a deer stand and the rule was if it was brown it was down i mean we had tags to fill so it, it, that's how i grew up but bow hunting you're you're up close and personal with these animals and you gotta you have to put yourself in that situation and um it's just a great opportunity to teach the kids how to 
put themselves in those situations. So now all of these kids up there use ladder stands, or is do some of the some of the guys bring ground blinds in, or? Yeah, it's anything that you want. Um, you can use ladder stands. You can use a ground blind, which a lot of the a lot of them do. Um, that's probably, I would say, half of what what they use up there for the youth hunt. Um, <clears throat> I started out with hang on stands when I first started going up to Ripley, um, but there's so many straight trees up there with no limbs, and I'm looking around and I'm. I don't like hanging uh, steps on the trees and all that. I, I think it's it takes a lot of time and you're making a lot of noise anyways. So I switched over to um, a uh, summit climber stand. Uh, just It makes everything so much easier. You get up there and get to your tree. There's tons and tons of trees to choose from. Uh, unless you know a specific area that you want to go that that doesn't have a straight tree in it. Um, mm -hmm. I would, I personally like the ladder stands or the, the climber stands, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, hang-ons, um, anything you, you can use. Um, but with the kids, you, you gotta be right next to them. So you either have to find a tree that you can both fit in, or you gotta find two trees that are right next to each other. You know, you gotta be within arm's reach basically, um, to the kids. Because the idea is that you're teaching them to hunt. Um, I, I don't think it's so much about getting the animal as teaching the kids how to hunt. Yep. It's, mm -hmm. it's really geared towards that. Um, obviously, getting an animal is always um, priority for the kids. But, uh, and that's hopefully what they think they're going to do. But uh, they're going to learn a lot of stuff on the way. Um, if, you can, if you can put your mind to teaching them. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing about the youth hunt is they're really willing to work with you as opposed to the regular hunt. Uh, the regular hunt, you know, you're in there at a certain time, which is the same with the youth hunt. But if you get a deer down in the youth hunt, they will come in and they will help you find that deer. Um, as opposed to the regular hunt where if you get a deer down and it's time to go, you better be back to the gate before they close it or you're going to be in some big trouble. Um, youth hunt, you know, I tell them, you know, I got a deer down. I'm way up on the north side. Um, can you come help me? And they've got trackers up there to come and help track deer. Um, and, and they know what they're doing, too. The, the, the trackers really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, they, they found a lot of deer for the kids up there. And... As far as success rates, the the kids usually do the same as the adults. Really? Yeah. Like in that ten percent, twelve percent range. Right in that ten to twelve percent. Yeah. I I done the math on it every time I've gone up there, and it's always right there. You know. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> with that said, you know, there's there's only like fifty to seventy five kids that apply for this hunt. Yeah. Um. So they they'll shoot a deer or two or one, I think one year we got uh, three or four of them out of there. Um, really? But there's 150 or 175 applications available, and I'm just shocked that only 50 to 75 kids show up every year. Right. And during COVID, let's see, during COVID we didn't they didn't have the youth hunt, but the year after it was the numbers were just way down. 
And um, was that the year I went up with you? Um, that would that would have been twenty two. So no. That oh, was, okay. That All was right. a different year. But um, it, it just changed yeah. right there. I was just curious about that because yep. it, was, it was quite the. It was pretty fun. Yeah. You know. Yep. So, but yeah, if if you're if you've got a kid that wants to bow hunt, you can get into Camp Ripley Youth Hunt. Um, at, at least as of now, I've never seen any more than seventy five kids, mm -hmm. and they want the kids up there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they they offer you breakfast in the morning free, and dinner when you come in free. Um, if you want to leave a donation, that's fine, but uh, they offer it free of charge. Um, they offer up the barracks at, um, a really discounted rate, um, unless you want to find different lodging. Um, they just really accommodate you during the youth hunt and they, they, they want people there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's actually one of my favorite hunts to do because that's usually the peak season of the color change too. Uh, you, you're sitting out there bow hunting and I mean, you can, you just look at the colors of the trees and that's one of my favorite things about bow hunting is, is mm -hmm. that type, that, that season where the colors are changing. It's, yeah. that's one of my favorite times to sit out. So that happens during the, uh, during the youth hunt as well, just about every time. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I've got two, two of my kids that have shot up, uh, a deer up at Ripley. Um, my middle guy, Luke, he shot his first archery deer at Camp Ripley. Mm -hmm. Um, it was his second year going and he had a deer come in and it was, it was, uh, a, a younger deer and he, he didn't let it come in quite all the way. And he took a shot on it that was a little bit too far and, and missed it mm -hmm. the first time, but um, being a young deer, it kind of ran up the hill a little, little ways and, and around, and he actually got a second shot at it and, uh, he, he just smoked it. And that was, that was the last evening. And, and, uh, I was, I was just super happy cause I, I had been up there quite a few years with the youth and, uh, we were un unsuccessful. So it was pretty cool to be in the stand with him and watch him shoot that first deer. Mm -hmm. um, pretty cool, but and then Micah, he sh like, like we said, we sh he shot his first deer up there too, uh, with archery, and um, that was a buck this last year. So that was during the regular hunt. But uh, yeah, I, t I, I I told my kids, you know, I'll, I'll bring you on the youth hunt, but uh, once it comes to the regular hunt, that's my time. So it's basically one of my only times to be up there for myself. And if you can hang a stand, you can hunt next to me or whatever, park in the same area. But if, if you can't hang a stand and go hunt by yourself, you got to stay home. Yep. <laughs> and so the, and the youth hunt affords me that ability to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. we hunt a lot as well, um, other places too, but, um, they, they want to go to Camp Ripley and that affords me to be able to mm -hmm. say, Hey, that's my time. <clears throat> And well, you in the years that you've been going, how many years have we, you and I, have been going up there? Since two thousand seventeen, I think. Yeah, and you've shot a lot of deer up there. 
Yeah, I, I think I've shot, let's see, one, two, three, four, I think four deer up there. At least. Four, four or five. Yeah, and, and a couple nice bucks. Yep. I think they've all been bucks, actually. I, I yeah, maybe I, they I, have. I have not shot a doe up there, which... Yeah, they all have been bucks. My my bucks are not always the biggest, but uh, they're bucks, so... Yeah, but you got some big bucks up there, too. I mean... Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah, absolutely there's some big bucks up there. Um, the only buck that I saw that was a monster up at Camp Ripley myself was during the youth hunt. Um, I was uh, sitting in the same tree as my son, Micah, and I'm sitting there screwing on my phone. And I was, we were, we were in a tree about 15 feet up, but we were eye level with this hill. And this buck come, I look up off my phone straight in front of me and this buck is eye level with me coming straight at me. And I honestly didn't count points, but he was at least a 12 pointer. And he walked right under the stand. And before that, I, I leaned over and I said, Micah, there's, Micah, there's a deer. <laughs> He's like, I know. <laughs> I, think, I think he saw it before I did. And uh, so this deer comes like five yards from the stand and, and uh, walks basically right under us. And right as it passes, he stands up, grabs his bow, and he's getting ready to draw on it. And he just adjusted his feet just a little bit on the stand. And he bumped the, the boot rest or the foot rest on the stand with his boot. And man, the deer heard that and it jumped back. I don't think it really knew what was going on, but it knew something was up. And Micah saw that and he drew his bow back really fast. And then it saw us, you know, and it, mm -hmm. it was gone. But man, that was a big buck. Big chocolatey rack buck. Definitely the biggest one I've seen up there. But, uh, yeah, we've, we've been up there trying to hunt that deer a few times and, mm -hmm. and uh, never never got the opportunity. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah, and that Camp Ripley youth hunt, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's the last time I've had a Mountain Dew, and that's probably the last Mountain Dew I'll ever have. I just can't stand that shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it probably doesn't go very good with your rope burn, I suppose. <laughs> no! <laughs> Can I tell I, that story? I, I'm going to have Ziggy tell this story. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So, talk about a bad mentor here. So, my buddy Kevin, before we left, I'm, I'm not a climber stand guy, okay? And my buddy Kevin, before we left, because I was going to mentor Ryan on the youth hunt. And he goes, yeah, you know, I got this climber stand here, you know, you make sure you use a pretty good sized tree. Well, we found a really tasty spot up there. And I mean, we're talking a really, really tasty spot. And there wasn't any good trees. And I thought, oh, we can go up this one. You know, what was it? Probably a 10 inch. Yeah, it eight was inch. minimum. Yeah. Minimum for a climber. Minimum for a climber. We thought. Well, <laughs> less than minimum for a climber. <laughs> and and I got one of those, you know, you're, you're tied off. I got one of those lifelines that goes all the way to the ground. It's like a 30 footer. Yeah. So 
bada bing, bada boom, me and Ryan, yeah, we're climbing up the tree, you know, we're gonna, you know, put our bow hangers up there and our backpack hangers and everything, and Dave and, and Luke are sitting there, you know, watching us. I get up there and <laughs> I, uh, I did something where I put my rope up, the, the lifeline, I put it up. And as I did that, I went to stand on my tippy toes when my feet were locked in the climber. Well, you know how you climb the tree. Yep, you tip it, yep. You tip your toes up. Yeah, that didn't work very good. So I started going. Well, what's the first thing you do? You grab the rope. I grabbed the rope above the purisk knot. That saves your life. <laughs> and probably the bottom foot part of the stand, I don't know, Dave, was probably like eight feet up. Yeah, about eight, nine feet maybe. Yeah, it wasn't, like, my feet were only like eight or nine feet off the ground. But that's enough to burn your flesh on that nylon rope. So I, boom! <laughs> and Dave kind of looks at me like, what the hell's going on over here? <laughs> and... He came down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> the whole stand and everything. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I'm okay. And my hand was smoking. Dave goes, what's that smell? I go, it's my hand. Oh, my God. And there was, like, burning flesh on my hand and <laughs> from the rope burn. And uh, needless to say, we didn't hunt there anymore. And then his boy, Ryan... It was a little timid about the climbers after that. <laughs> you know, and he had a nice summit climber, you know, probably would have been just fine or whatever. But, uh, and then Luke comes up to me and he goes, how come you're not up there? <laughs> you know, he didn't realize that I had my hand above that purist knot. And he didn't realize that it wouldn't save my life if it was like that. So, right. So, yeah, that's that, that happens on the youth hunt when you're trying to be a, Totally awesome mentor. Yeah. We, we teach how not to do things, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you teach by example, yes. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Uh. So, heck yeah, man. Uh, the youth hunt, you know, those of you that are interested in the youth hunt, um, did, did you remember the, the, the code, like the code for the DNR for that at all? I cannot reason? remember what that is. It's either, I think, I want to say it's like 901 or 908 or 915, one of those numbers, but I, okay. it's really to hard that to find. Up. Yeah. One year, um, the year after COVID, it was extremely difficult to find. I heard that they did not have the, the hunt and then just, I so happened to be, at a firearms training with one of my kids and I mentioned that they didn't have the hunt and the guy is like, um, nope, they're having it. And said, really? Because it is not online anywhere. And, um, so, uh, I would, I even, I had even called the DNR and asked them, uh, about the hunt and they told me that it was not on too. So, um, if, I can't imagine that it's not ever going to be on again, but, um, you know, with the whole COVID stuff, that was kind of a one-time deal. But, um, yeah, definitely dig into it if you can't find it because it is there. Um, yeah. Start asking, you know, some conservation officers or um, call the DNR or something. Yeah, and those of you email Bucks and Bales and, and uh, you know, I, I might be able to ask Dave or something for you. 
and and give you an email you know uh, is that is that application window at the same time you do the adult hunt yes it's exactly the same time uh, I think you got to have it in by sometime in August okay yeah yep cool awesome and yeah that was good you know good times and it's pretty awesome that you can take your kids down there man yeah yeah we've had a lot of fun there mm -hmm. uh, saw a lot of deer um, you know just patterning the deer while the while I'm in the stands with the kids um, actually helped me to shoot my uh, my an eight-point buck up there um, mm -hmm. my my son wasn't really happy that I shot a buck near his area but uh, mm -hmm. I Ended up setting up right where I saw the deer funneling through during the youth hunt. And um, uh, I actually missed a doe that first came out. And then um, and then right after that, a buck was trailing her. And I put a really good shot on him and, and uh, got my, got my eight-point buck. So. And, and Matt, Matt did just uh, look up the Camp Ripley youth hunt. Uh, is that the code right there? Is nine fifty? Nine fifty. Nine fifty is the code. Uh, that was last year's code anyway, and and usually it's the future code too. And uh, there's a mandatory orientation, and then you can get a hold of Jan Eckert, and her number is three two zero three three nine 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 two seven, and her email is kind of a weird one. It's uh, J A N crs1 at gmail.com uh if you need to get a hold of anybody for the youth hunt thanks matt yeah and that's that's buried in the minnesota dnr page mm -hmm. um you gotta go to um i went to 23 this now this is for 2023 uh but it was in the special deer hunt section and then you had to go down to, I found Youth Archery. And that's the one that came up. There's another one down at Sand Prairie in the Waterfowl Management Area, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, I think there's like an Alexandria hunt or something like that too. Oh, is there? For the youth. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm the, not sure what that is either. The Camp Ripley and the Sand Prairie. I don't know where Sand Prairie is. That might be the one up by Alex, or that might be southwestern Maybe. Minnesota. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are the only two youth archery hunts listed for 2023 anyways. Uh, now, when they're going to start coming out with the 2024 stuff, um, I think we're probably a couple of months out. I think they usually have all that out by April, right? End of March, April. Oh, is it? I, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. It's usually, I think, when they have the regulations printed. Oh, know, okay. Yeah, by the sometime. time, uh, you know, Mother's Day comes around, you start buying your fishing license, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so they'll have the regulations out. They might not have all the dates set, mm -hmm. but... You know, the 99% of the regulations um, are rewritten mm -hmm. for the 2024 season. Mm -hmm. So, so weird question. Last year when you were at the Camp Ripley youth hunt, did they allow the youth to have crossbows? Yes, they allowed the crossbows up there. Okay, yeah. I was curious about that because, you know, kind of a, the, the group that puts it on is... Kind of MSAA orientated a little bit. And 
Yeah, they um, they did allow the crossbows. Um, I mean, it's it's all all the rules for the hunt are basically right out of the DNR or the the regulation book. So mm -hmm. they just have a few specific rules, um, mm -hmm. as with the regular hunt too. There's only a few different rules um, that they list out, but. Mm -hmm. uh, Yep. And then the ages, what, what, what's the minimum and maximum age for the youth? Uh, the maximum is 17, uh, and I believe it's 10 years old you can hunt. Yeah, uh, so either 10 or 11 listed on there. Yeah. On the I've, thing there? Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty yeah. sure you can be 10. Um, but, you know, obviously you want to make sure your kid can shoot too. Um, mm -hmm. I don't let my kids go up there and shoot deer unless they are proficient in shooting. Mm -hmm. so and then the minimum sure. draw requirements are still the same, which is what, 35 pounds? Uh, think I they, think it's down to 30. I now, think they actually. dropped it to 30. Oh, really? Yep. yep. Huh. Okay. With the technology advancements we got within the cam systems of the bows and the speed that they're producing, um, you know, with with the aero technology and the broadhead technology, I think they lowered that. Hmm. Uh, probably, geez, five years ago or so, mm -hmm. if not more. I don't know. I don't remember. I just know they dropped it, and it's been a while. Well, it's really good to know that when we're 90 years old, we can still go bow hunting. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we make it that long. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? <clears throat> All right, so, uh, well, I guess, yeah, I wanted to get into a little bit of target archery, uh, and especially last year's state indoor tournament. Um, yeah, so what classes did you shoot last year at the state indoor tournament? Yeah, so in 2022, I shot the bow hunter freestyle class, mm -hmm. and then in 23, I shot the bow hunter freestyle and then they added the modern bow hunter as well mm -hmm. um so the the difference in the modern bow hunter is you have to use screw and tips um, which takes most of the bigger arrows out of the equation because it's more geared for bow hunting and then um you can use a uh, slider sights as well you can adjust your sights so um, that, that allows you to use a slider sight. Mainly it's more used for the, the 3d shoots and, you know, things like that yeah, where you need adjustable so. sights. Yeah. Um, you don't really need it that much in the indoor, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, since it's part of the, part of the leagues or the, the state shoots there, they, they put it in the, mm -hmm. in the indoor as well. So. so modern bow hunter, that's adult only. That's not that they don't have a senior class. Do they have a ladies class? I I don't think so. I think last year we were all in one big group. That was the first year they had it. Was last year. Mm -hmm. So I believe they just threw it out there and said, "Hey, we're gonna have one class. Mm -hmm. That's the adult class. So if you're a super senior, golden senior, it, male, female, whatever." you're in one class. Mm -hmm. I do believe. I don't, I mean, I know that's the way it was for the males. I don't know if there was female. It's, it just says adults only on the Yeah, that's why I, I think sheet, that's so. kind of a, 
I, th I think the guys and the gals were all thrown into one pool. Mm -hmm. So if you're 18 years old and you're an adult male or an adult, you can shoot against a guy that's 75 years old if he wants to shoot that class. That seems like a really cool thing, though, because, I mean, there's a lot of really good archers that are seniors, and there's a lot of really good archers that are, you know, young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, or, or super seniors or golden, either way. Um, and that's a really neat way to combine those and really kind of have the, you know, everybody have a shootout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So you were shooting those two classes and you went into where was state at last year? That was up in Cloquet. Yeah, Cloquet. Cloquet? Yep. Okay, and you went to the state championship up there last year. Now, front to back, kind of, or as best as you can, tell us about each class and how you got champion in each class on the <laughs> indoor. Oh, uh, how I got champion? Um, lots of practice. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's a little bit of luck in it, too. Um, the, the guys that I shot against, the probably were a little bit better than me um but you know you're shooting in a in a setting where you have to focus um there's no you know you, you have to prepare for being able to shoot under pressure mm -hmm. and i actually seem to do better under pressure even though i'm nervous um i mean the first six ends that come out of my bow I am shaking like a leaf. I, mm -hmm. I don't know how I can hold um, hold a group in in the white, let alone start shooting X's in that first six ends. You know, and you get two practice, and then you start scoring. So I'm already one game into my into my score before I settle down, really. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I do pretty good shooting under pressure, um, but. That's where practice comes in, and you know, you just your your body takes over what you can't remember when you're up on the line trying to shoot your bow in a in a competitive setting. Mm -hmm. So if if you're not repetitiously doing it, you're not gonna remember what to do mm -hmm. when you're on the line. So it's from but, creating those good habits. And yeah, I I believe so. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, I personally, I get tunnel vision when I'm standing up there. Um, I, I'm just focused on, on sh making the shot uh, and trying not to be as nervous as I, I can be. Um, I don't know why I get nervous. I don't know why anybody gets nervous when they're in, in a competition. But it's just like one of those things that happens. Mm -hmm. I mean... And the more you do it, the the better you get. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like this interview. is nervous coming in, but now we're talking, and yeah. it's like, whatever. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm already six ends in here, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was able to, to win the champion, or the first place in the championship flight in both those categories. So that was, uh, I, I qualified with 300s going into both of those, and um, I shot some of my best arrows at the state shoot there. So Really? Yep. Nice. Yeah, especially in the modern bow hunter, um, I beat my score. You know, it's, it's one of my things to beat myself, 
and I beat my own score from the Bowhunter Freestyle in the Modern Bowhunter. Really? So, yep. So that was, you know, a goal when I started the, the Modern Bowhunter shoot there and uh, was able to accomplish it too. So. Well, cool. Congratulations. Yeah. It's uh, the first time I've stood up on the, on the first place podium at the, at the state shoots and yeah. got to do it twice in the same shoot. So that's that was pretty cool. Well, was um, that was that two separate days then last year? Or? Nope, they were consecutive shoots. They so, were. Uh, yep, one one after the other. So mm -hmm. the, the uh, freestyle was in the morning. Bowhunter freestyle was in the morning, and then the modern bowhunter was in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So cool. Yep. So I pulled off 120 arrows that day and mm -hmm. some of my best ones. Wow. Two state championships in one day. Yep, that's something I have not accomplished. I've been chasing that for years, and he did it twice in one day. Twice in a day. <laughs> that's like shooting two booners in one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, blind squirrel finds one out every once in a while, you know. <laughs> you, I mean, you know, I, Dave, you're I, not a blind I, squirrel. I, well, <laughs> to find two booners in the woods, <laughs> well, is uh, is a tough deal too. I, so. I've said it many times on this podcast. To win a state championship in the championship flight in an MSA indoor event is hard enough. But to pull it off twice in one day in back-to-back -back sessions, I mean, you shot 120 minus your warm-up, your two warm-up ends for each round, 120 virtually perfect arrows. That is amazing in itself mm -hmm. to hold focus and execute that same shot technique 120 times under pressure. Yeah. That is not a small feat, man. That no, is huge. Not at all. Yeah. And yeah, another thing that probably helped me out is, um, you know, that was only my second shoot uh, for the MSAA. Um, and I didn't know anybody there. I didn't know the guy standing behind me and I didn't know the guy standing in front of me. And, um, going into it this year, I know a lot more people and it's going to probably make me a little bit more nervous. So, well, <laughs> so you um, don't know how good everybody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I still don't know a lot of guys names, but, um, you know, it, it makes you more nervous when you're standing some next to somebody that, you know is good. Welcome rather to the than target just... on your back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they know I, you. Yeah. yeah they're they're going to know you. you know, I, I got to keep it in my mind. I'm that guy. So. Yeah. There, there's the podium hog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, it, it was two years. Was it two years ago we were in Redwood? Yes. Yeah, yeah that was I think in 22. It was. That was the yeah. first year I went. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we're in Redwood, and we're sitting there, and Dave's like, yeah, I shot okay, you know, I could have done better, this, that, and the other thing, and I'm just sitting there talking to him, and all of a sudden, they're announcing the podium, and they announce his name. He's like, wait, that's me. <laughs> he gets up there. Yeah, I didn't even hear my name called. Ziggy had to tell me my name got called, because I, I, I did not shoot that good. I, I, uh... I shot a 298, but I had a ton of X's, um, and I think uh, Dan 
was on that line and he talked about it in his podcast and I vaguely remember it, but he shot a, a zero and, Mm -hmm. and then Brent was standing behind me too. And he lofted one into the wood behind the, behind the target too. So, um, I, you know, that took out probably a couple of guys that, you know, I didn't know were good shooters. I knew Brent was a good shooter. He's Mm -hmm. in our our Mm -hmm. club, but I didn't know about Dan and, um, yeah, I just figured a 298, I'm in the championship flight. There's no way I'm getting a, a plaque. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they called my name, and I was Yeah, I was that surprised. was the year um, Kevin, what's his last name now? I can't think of it. It was him and his wife and his boys shoot. Kyer. Kevin Kyer, I believe. What did he shoot? Like a 57, 58X? No, he pounded 60, didn't he? If I remember listening to the results, somebody somebody in your flight, I think I think it was your flight, pounded 60Xs. It could have been Kevin. He was just absolutely unconscious. You know, I've shot against that guy a few times over the years. And I I don't know. I You stand behind him and watch him shoot. It's like, dude, do you even have a heartbeat? Are you breathing? How... How do you do this? Just go to full draw and just not move. Just rock solid. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't know how the guy does it, but he's a, he's a solid shooter. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even uh, tell you who got what place up there. I was just I was excited that I made the podium. <laughs> Well, you done good. <laughs> no, I, I I didn't I didn't have the expectation when I went into it, and you know that probably helped me uh, to to have that expectation. But um, you know, mm-hmm. gave me something to uh, better myself for the next year, and I did that. And it'll be it'll be tough to better this year. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to do it on on X's. Well, you know, it's about building, right? And if if you're not set or if you're not totally happy with where you're at right now, now 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 you got to start the hard part, right? You got all the floors built underneath you. Now now what do you want to put on the top of that? Okay? Because you're you're right now at the top of your game as far as scoring ability, right? There's just a few finishing touches you got to put on it yet. So you, to try and find that one phrase that somebody is going to say or that one change to your, it might even be a change to your pre-setup. It might be a change to your draw cycle. It might be a change to a number of things. Uh, just the weight of your arrows, the, the weight that you're shooting for indoor, a different release. Who knows? Yep. You know, so it's just about putting the finishing touches on. I mean, but but you you have ramped up. I mean, I remember when you started our club, you know, your progression is probably the fastest progression I've seen over the last 15 years of any archer to get to that top level. You put a ton of work into this, Dave. Oh, yeah. And and you're reaping the rewards, you know, and, and... Heavy is the head that wears the crown, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so. I don't do anything unless I'm going to be the best at it. 
Or if I if I if I don't think I'm going to be the best at it, I won't even try to do it. So I I love archery and I have come to love target archery and I want to be the best at it. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. So put the work in, kids. Everybody listening. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll we'll get into some other stuff here. All right, we're back. That was another five beer break. I'm out. <laughs> um. Anyway, we're gonna get into Dave's hunting here, and uh, you know, Dave, what type of hunting do you do with your bow? With my bow, um, I have shot deer, um, I've shot bear, and I've hunted turkeys with my bow, but I have not got a turkey yet mm-hmm. um i don't hunt real hard for turkeys uh, this year i'm probably going to do my hardest hunting for turkeys it's kind of one of my goals uh, at the at the little crow archery club every year uh, we give out a big game award and i've got my plaque with my deer on it and um i'd really like one with a with a turkey so oh yeah it's kind of one of my goals mm-hmm. you know and that that was one of my goals with the 300 too you know i want to be on that plaque so mm-hmm. those plaques really mean something to me <laughs> i know it's kind of a stupid little little goal but uh you know it's 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 motivating for me so. it is and it, it's kind of nice because when we have members that come into the club that don't actively shoot anymore but walk into our range and they can walk over to the wall, and they can still see their name on that wall from 1985 or or whatever, you know. I mean, that that takes them back in time a little bit, you know. And it's just, it's just 20 years from now, you're going to be able to walk into our range and see your name on there. You go, ah, I remember back those days when I was a really good archer, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's or, or the kids or or the grandkids or yeah. whoever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's another thing it like like the big game awards. You know how you, how you guys design that plaque and you can keep track of your big game animals with those plates. Yeah. Every year. And that's how I count my Ripley deer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh yeah, that year I got one of Ripley. That one wasn't a Ripley one, you know. Yep. Yeah. I'm hoping to fill mine up this year. I got two spots left, and uh, I'd really like to put a bear and a, a white tail on there. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So you know, hunting. You, you you said you did. Do you hunt with a gun? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I grew up hunting with a gun. Um, I started hunting right when I was 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first big game animals were a antelope and a deer out in Wyoming. Um, you know, my dad took me out there and, and uh, with a couple of guys and I, I shot my first antelope out of the back of a truck mm-hmm. and right over the top of the, the hood or the, you know, the top of the truck. Mm-hmm. And, um, I shot my first deer out of the back of the truck. Really? I was sitting over the over the rail. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I I don't think uh, I was quite taught the correct way the, at ten years old to to be hunting. But um, you know, we were out on field roads. Not like we were on a on a main road or anything. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, we were just <laughs> that. that uh, I, I shot my antelope at 300 yards, right through the heart. Wow! And um, and the deer was at about 30 yards, and I think it took me about four or five shots to sh to hit that one. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we. I remember we almost gave up on it because I was I was missing it so much, but it just stood there and. Well, we're gonna keep shooting at it until it uh, either drops or runs away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, ten years old, I I shot those those two animals, and um, I've I've hunted every single year. I think, um, with, given maybe I took a couple years off uh, when after I got married or something, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I've hunted hunted with guns pretty much my whole life. Archery is more new to me as far as actually hunting and and getting some something out of it but uh yeah i've I've hunted um wolves um waterfowl um a little bit of pheasants <clears throat> you know pretty much every anything that uh that can be killed i've i've hunted mm-hmm yeah, definitely anything around here you gotta get yourself a heck of a wolf last year. Yeah, that was uh that was a cool trip. Um we took it in January this time last year up in Ontario, Canada. And um it was it was cold up there. Uh we we sat in box blinds. Um our our guide had a moose that uh he split between my buddy and I on our stands. And we sat over those moose for 5 days and I didn't see a wolf until, actually, I think we were up there for six days, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't see a wolf until um, the fourth day, and that was just a glimpse. Um, and I, I'd been seeing fox the whole time. I, I told the guide, like, I'm going to shoot one of them foxes. He's like, no, you're not. You can't shoot a fox until you get a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm going to shoot a fox if I don't see a wolf. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, I finally saw a wolf. And, you know, when they come out, it's like, holy crap. That is definitely a wolf. You know, the, the fox, they come out, and you're like, oh, you get excited and everything. And you, you're like, oh, okay, that's a fox. When a wolf comes out, it's like a horse stepping out. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, they're huge. So got my first glimpse of a wolf, and it, I wouldn't have even been able to get my gun up. Um, it just stepped out and turned around and walked back. And uh, the next morning, um, I was out in the stand and just got out there, and I didn't even have my gun loaded yet. Um, it really wasn't, the, the light was just coming up, and uh, I opened up the window on the blind, and I saw some movement down at the at the bait. So I rummaging through my pack trying to find a bullet or trying to find my magazine. So I, and I couldn't find it. So I just grabbed a bullet off my stock because I keep a couple up there. Threw it in, put my gun up. It's a fox. All right. Well, whatever. So I put my gun down and uh, I'm digging through my pack again, trying to just kind of get set up. And I look up, and there's a wolf coming in. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I still don't have a magazine pulled out of my pack. <laughs> I got one bullet in the chamber, and, you know, the, the wolves, they, 
they're very sensitive um, as far as the guide says and you, you don't want to be bumping around in the stand and looking for magazines in your pack you know you want to be ready before you get out there and in Canada you have to carry your gun in the case um, out during uh, when it's dark out so walking oh. into the stand we had to have a case um, so that's why it wasn't loaded before I before I got out there but anyways I I pulled up on the wolf and uh, I knew I had one shot to make it work and I waited for him to get broadside and uh, made a perfect hard shot on him at a hundred yards standing mm -hmm. at the bait there so wow. he was a he was a just a gorgeous black wolf and really? that's I really wanted to get a black wolf you know mm -hmm. the for, for for a first wolf I was gonna get whatever stepped out but um yeah black one came out first and that's what I got and he was a he was a good sized wolf yeah I was because <laughs> I don't know if you guys know Dave or not but uh, you'll see the picture on the internet he's not a small guy he's not a short guy and yeah. uh, he'll be holding that wolf yeah I'm I'm six three so that's a that's a little comparison for you yeah yeah, that, that thing was huge. I was showing my buddies at work, and they just could not believe that picture. Yep. Yeah, and uh, my buddy, uh, he ended up getting uh, uh, two wolves um, at the same time. So he shot the one on the bait, and uh, shot the other one at a full dead run at uh, 300 and some yards. I can't remember what it was. Holy now, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he uh, rolled it, so... Mm -hmm. that was uh mm -hmm. that was pretty awesome and and we got them both on the same day um and then i so after i shot the wolf um i s switched out my seven millimeter magnum for uh 223 that i brought uh the guy came over we picked up the wolf grabbed the other gun sat in the stand and uh i popped a, a fox before he even got back to the lodge with the <laughs> with the wolf so then he had to come back and get me for that. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a that was an awesome awesome hunt. That's an awesome day. Yeah. yeah heck yeah. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, other big game with the with the bow, um, I had the opportunity to go up to Alberta, Canada, and I uh, got a phone call from my father-in-law, and and he said. Um, it's my wife's cousin's father-in-law. He's just huge into hunting. He goes all over the place. Uh, he's passed away now, but uh, he, he went all over the place hunting big game. And he actually bought out a 12-person camp on this hunt uh, for, for bear up in Alberta. Mm -hmm. And he was having trouble for some reason or another trying to find people to go with him. And so my father-in-law called me up and he's like, Hey, I know this guy's got a spot available. All we got to do is get there and pay for the license. I said, I think I can do that. Mm -hmm. So you could shoot either, either gun or archery. And I, I uh, chose that I wanted to shoot archery. And so I sat out for, it was a, it was a five day hunt, I believe. And I sat out for three days and never even saw a bear. And I'm like, everybody else is, you know, starting to bring in bears and they're seeing bears and I hadn't seen one yet. And 
Finally, on that uh, third day, a uh, small bear came in. And, you know, it's my first time bear hunting, and I, I know it's hard to judge bears when they're coming in, um, but uh, I thought it was a decent bear. And it was at 18 yards, and I, I just smoked it with my bow. It's, uh, I had a nice pass through, you know, you, you mm -hmm. go in and the, you hear the death moan, um, which is a really creepy, eerie feeling if you've never heard it before. And, uh, you know, that was, that was awesome. And that was the first bear that I saw. And, uh, we waited for the guide to get there and we walked up to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that thing is a tiny bear. You know, it wasn't a baby or anything, but it was a tiny bear. And uh, I was a little bit disappointed with, my, with myself, you know, it's, but it's, at the same time, it's cool you got a bear, you know. Mm -hmm. So I told myself I'm not going to shoot another one unless it's a big, big bear. And I, all of a sudden after that, the next two days, I was seeing bears like crazy. Two, three days, um, just seeing bears like crazy. And I uh, saw a mother with some cubs come in which was pretty scary because they were climbing up the trees right next to me and she was getting in between me and the and the cubs or with me and the cubs in between them and it was kind of a, a scary deal but kind of cool and uh, another time the guide brought me out and he set me on the ground he's like this is a new bait I set out just sit right here I'm like okay <laughs> and a bear actually did come in on that bait um less than 20 yards away i mean it was it was a little creepy and it was a smaller bear still i i kind of sized him up at that point and and uh didn't shoot that bear and on the last day the the guide he brought me they they have a I don't know, five to eight mile trail that you go out on four withers on. They've got bait stations on the way, uh, stands on the way, mm -hmm. and drop off all the hunters. And he said, there's a really good one, but it's the at the end of the line. So I said, well, let's go up there. And we went up there and he showed me, he had two baits, um, the road, the trail teed. There was a bait about I don't know, 500 yards down one way and a bait 500 yards the other way. So we went out on the first bait and we baited it up and it looked like just an awesome area. And I, mm -hmm. I really like that area. And he's like, I want to show you the other bait because that's a really good one too. So I'm like, all right. So we went over there and baited the other one. I said, nope, I want to go to that, the first one. Went back to the first one and the bear had already hit the bait. And I'm like, oh crap, you know, I, there is a bear in the area, but he already hit the bait. He knows we're here. So I said, oh, I'm going to sit here anyways. And within 10 minutes of me sitting there, uh, I just got my camo on, you know, my mask and my gloves and everything. And he started coming out and, mm -hmm. uh, I got the whole thing on video, um, came out real slow, you know, clapping his teeth and really smelling around because we put some blueberry scent out there and and uh it took him about 10 minutes to uh to walk i don't know 15 yards and he finally turned and gave me just a perfect quartering away shot and i buried that arrow right in his 
right in his, behind his armpit. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a it was an awesome shot on that one. Went back in the woods and and uh, died. And guide came over, right over, and we were done with that hunt. That was the last day. That was the last bear, and it was the biggest bear out of um, sixteen bears that we shot in the camp. Holy man! So. <laughs> What'd that one come in at? Did you get it weighed? Uh, we didn't have a scale out there to weigh it, so I get that question a lot. But uh, he was definitely the biggest bear that we shot. Uh, that thing was no huge, question. though. I saw the picture. Yeah. It, I mean, it was huge. Yep, and I'll send you a, a picture of that. that yeah, day. we'll so, post that. Yeah. Definitely. You ever get the but, skull measured? Or? I did get the skull measured. Um, it was over 18 inches for sure. I'd have to look at it. Mm -hmm. So. That's cool. I think it was like 18 and, well, I'm going to misquote it, but right. it, it did make the, uh, make, make the book. Um, oh, it did? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't put it in there, but uh, it, it will make the book. So. Wow. Yeah. That's been nice. Very nice. So, we got, before we get into our deer stories here, uh, I'd like to get into a few thing, a few failures. You know, do you have any failures like in target archery or in hunting that you'd want to let us know about? You know, everybody has them because it's archery. Yep. You know? Yep. Everybody's got one. Um, if they've hunted before, uh, you've, you know, it's part of, part of archery. Um, my failure that I'm going to give you is in my earlier years, um, before I had shot my first deer, um, I... I believe I was using that uh, Browning bow that my dad had. It was either that one or the the uh, bear. But um, I got this bright idea that I was going to go down in uh, Golden Valley. And my grandma has a whole bunch of acreage down there. It's Well, I say a whole bunch. It's probably over five acres of land. And there's a ton of deer. But... Uh, Literally, this property is on the corner of 394 and Highway 100. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's right down in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. um, if you ever drive through that through that intersection, uh, you can look up there and see my family's property. But um, I I was 17, and I drove out there. I did not stop at my grandma's house. Uh, I just uh, you know, up there to tell her I was there. I just walked out and I was walking out to where I was going to go hunting and there was a doe standing up on the hill. And I'm like, well, pff, well, this is easy. It was less than 20 yards away and I just smoked her with an arrow. And um, she ran up the hill and out of sight. And I did not know... I didn't know enough to let the deer sit, and plus I was in the middle of the city. I didn't want him running around and, you know, whatever, which was obviously another mistake not to run after the deer. But uh, I went up after the hill after her, and she had laid down and pulled out the arrow, and um, I, I believe she pulled out the arrow. Mm -hmm. um, there's a you know, obvious bed that she quick laid down in, and then the arrow was sitting in there. And uh, then the blood trail went up to the edge of the woods into a residential house. And 
so I'm dressed up in my camel, you know, and I've got my bow. I left I left my bow at the at the property line and I walked up into this yard and a lady walked out and she's like, What are you doing back here? <laughs> and uh, I said, Well, I shot a deer down on the my grandma's property here and and uh she's like oh okay well let me go get my husband and see if he can help you out and so she went and got her husband and he came out and i mean he was just livid he was not happy and he was yelling at me and and uh he said he was going to call the cops so i just i just backed out of there and left and mm -hmm. walked back down to my grandma's place and and they were, they, uh, I went in the house and told them everything and, and, uh, the cops did show up and, you know, told me to probably not hunt there and stuff. So, um, but, you know, just knowing now what I know of that deer, you know, to, sh to shoot a deer and just, just let it do its thing. Um, don't run after it. Um, mm -hmm. and after that whole incident, I kind of, um, I didn't, I didn't have any ambition to look for that deer. Um, knowing now what I know about deer patterning and what a deer will do after you shoot it, I, I probably know where that deer went and it mm -hmm. was not in that yard. I think it probably turned and, and hugged the woods and died on the property that I was hunting. But, um, you know... That kind of haunts me knowing now what I know and I didn't go and pursue that deer a little bit more. Um, at the time I was thinking it probably went through all the neighborhoods, houses, and mm -hmm. I wasn't about to go get yelled at by somebody else again. So, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that was actually my first real failure at losing a deer. Um, I've had other failures at missing deer and, and things like that, but uh, that was mm -hmm. my first actual actual one that I hit and I lost mm -hmm. but uh I know I made a good shot on it it uh it did die but yeah I did not did not mm -hmm. recover that one so mm -hmm. you know and I'll tell you what man I mean what was all once a beginner or what what is an expert was always a beginner yeah you know and with archery and with deer hunting Sometimes you got to find your own path. You don't have that mentor. You don't have that. And it, and it takes a, a big set of balls to go out there and hunt alone uh, with, without somebody that doesn't, you know, tell you everything, mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, at least yeah. you did it. And at least you went out and you did all that, you know. I mean. Yep. I, w I wouldn't recommend hunting at your uh, grandma's property in Golden Valley, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was uh, that was another mistake I made. So <clears throat> right, right. You know, so I gotta ask you though: Have you ever had too many failures in the in the realm of of target archery? I I saw other people last weekend that put their arrows in your target. <laughs> regionals. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was shooting my scores at regionals and. Uh, I had two arrows at the same time going to the same target. Uh, one was two bales away, and the other one was right next to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I, I think uh, I think one guy just flung an arrow, and you know, as he was drawing, and the other guy was probably just looking at the mistake and 
thought it was his target or something. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, I, you know, I, it I, happens. I watched the one. I, the one was actually from a trad guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was two bales to your left. And I don't, just happened to be up, you know, standing there watching the line. And I watched him, and he got about halfway through his draw. And it's, I don't know if his fingers, whatever, for whatever reason, he plucked that string. And he was only halfway through his draw. I, and somehow that, that arrow ended up over in your bale. And I wasn't even expecting it to fly 20 yards. Yeah. You know, because he, yeah. I mean, he, he barely, he, he wasn't even, he couldn't have been halfway through his, he had just started pulling. It's like his fingers slipped right off the, the string, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yeah, it was, you know, I, whatever, it happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, yeah. the, the second one that went in there, I was coming up to draw. I was probably three quarters through my draw cycle and the other one flew in there and I just had to let down and I just started laughing. I was like. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> but uh yeah, that uh I I didn't stop the line because it probably would have frustrated me more by stopping the shoot um and trying to reset and do all that. Um that's at least what was going through my mind. Mm-hmm. But uh then I did end up shooting a four on that on that five spot spot where those arrows were. So mm-hmm. And it was a, it was out in the in the zero area. <laughs> I think about a third of that arrow was in the four, so mm-hmm. it did affect me. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it's my decision to to let my arrow go. And you know, that's one of those things that you have to work through mentally. Um, because I mean, even when you're out hunting, you don't get the perfect situation when you're out hunting either. No. Um, Every situation is different, so mm-hmm. that's kind of kind of where I think about that. Uh, that letting my arrow, you know, finishing out that target. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, now I know maybe I should stop the line. I don't know. I I haven't had to stop a line yet, so I don't know where I where I fall in that category either. So mm-hmm. what what exactly does that mean when you say stop a line or whatever? Um, you can put your hand up and. You know, if somebody puts an arrow in your target and stop the shoot, I I don't know exactly how it works. Maybe Matt can can enlighten us, but uh, I know you can pull those arrows out at least. Yeah, I've only been familiar with it in a double line situation, and uh, I don't know how it goes from left to right. You know, when you're shooting the same line, uh, but. In a double line situation, you know, they always go bottoms up. Yeah, yeah. So if you're shooting on the bottom, and this happens a lot at the turn, right? Mm-hmm. Halfway through your round. Mm-hmm. So if you go from top to bottom, and you are you go bottoms up, you're not thinking. You're up first. You just pulled your arrows. You got to get back and shoot right away again. Mm-hmm. And you go for that top target. Yeah. Well, what will happen is when they do the the line switch and they go from bottom to top. Okay, so if you were on bottom and put an arrow in my top target, I'd be like, oh, there's an arrow in my target, you know. And 27s, for one, they're expensive. For two, you you know, if I if I hit that arrow and bounce out to a four, I'm mm-hmm. going to be pissed, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to call the official and uh, 
they'll either go down and pull it or they'll have you do the walk of shame. And you got to walk down there and pull your arrow out of the wrong damn target. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah. They have the arrow owner do it? I've seen it done both ways. Oh, where the okay. the actual archer will go down and mm-hmm. uh, pull their arrow out of the wrong target or a line judge will walk down there and pull it. And just mm. bring it, carry it back. Well, I'm really glad you guys have never made me do that in Animal League. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I've done it. Yeah, I think that's it's quite, uh, it, it's a it's a norm in Animal League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, as I as I run through the scores every week, there's oh, random zero. Somebody shot the wrong target. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but now, now that we're into this, you know, I mean, I guess, uh, you've got quite a few deer stories, but yep. with one of your deer stories that I remember a couple of years ago, you know, I was sitting and, and you were talking about, uh, a buck you had shot at, geez, I think it's in 2022, you shot a really nice buck up at Camp Ripley. Yep. And you were talking about how you never would have gotten that buck without your experience you know because it was really quartered or whatever yeah you were telling me a story about that and um it really re- that, that that story really resonated with me and still does today you know because um how you've kind of brought yourself up and and gotten all that experience and everything and that wasn't the ideal shot but you made it be yeah, the so the deer that you're talking about, um, a lot of times when you're out deer hunting or hunting in general, things happen super fast. I mean, you you don't get time usually to think about your shot. You don't get to place the deer um, like you place your target when you're when you're practicing. Um, the deer they come in and they're gone in a matter of seconds. Sometimes, sometimes you get minutes, um, but uh, usually for me, it's at least spending seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you either shoulder your gun or draw your bow or whatever. And a lot of times you got to stop those deer. So this particular deer came in with a doe um, behind me, and I could hear him crashing through. So I grabbed my bow as quick as I could, and by the time I grabbed my bow, they were already passing my stand. And, um, I, I swung my bow around. I was pretty high in the tree, so they wouldn't have been able to see me, um, for the most part, Mm. but I, I was swinging that bow around and they were moving so fast that before I even drew, um, I had to stop them with a, you know, one of the little famous rant and he wouldn't stop. So I gave him another really loud one and both of them just stopped right there. And... I don't know if they were running away from another hunter at Ripley or what they were running from, but they gave me that split second to get my bow drawn, and um, I made a really hard quartering away shot. Or, yeah, quartering away shot on that deer, and um, it it was small margin for error, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least, because um, you're you're shooting from so high, and then on top of that you're shooting down. And trying, I had it running through my mind, like, I don't want to hit that 
backstrap because I want to eat that backstrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to put it in the armpit either, you know. Right. So I picked a spot right on the edge of that backstrap, and I said, well, that's my spot. I let the arrow fly, and and uh, that was a, a rage hypodermic that I was using, and I measured that the cut that it made, and it was a 10-inch long cut that that arrow made mm -hmm. um, when it went in. And hit the hit the um, lungs on that deer, and I believe I even got the heart a little bit. Um, but it ran up about 20 yards, and it tipped over, and it was sitting up there just... It was leaning on the arrow, just rolling all over the place and cutting itself up and with, with that broadhead and mm -hmm. eventually died. Um, but, yeah, one of those Ripley deals where... You know, you don't know who's hunting next to you, so you get down yep. right away. Yep. And I was over there, you know, I, I'm in a climber stand, so I'm climbing down the tree as fast as I can, and I got over there before the deer even died. Oh, it did. And, uh, yeah, I, I had another arrow knocked in case he got up, but, uh, yeah, that was a, he eventually died, but that was a split section, second decision. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, with a bow, it's not the easiest situation to be in but oh uh, yeah definitely a definitely a successful story on that one mm -hmm. that was a really good successful story and that that made a lot of work for you when i shot one later and then you had to drag it out most of the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep i uh i i drug ziggy's out deer out that day but um <laughs> and that was the drag from hell i think yeah. there was no snow on the ground through little thumb-sized poplar mm -hmm. branches and trees and stuff way back in there i don't even know how he got back in there but <laughs> or why he was back in there but yeah the first thing dave says is what in the hell are you doing back here there's no because i was in i was in a shithole there's no structure to the area at all i, <laughs> I don't know why a deer would be running through there well, they were. <laughs> he shot one. That's where the booters go. <laughs> uh, no structure to the trails. No, nothing back there. I don't know what he was thinking. But yeah, yeah. Just he a, shot a deer. I dragged it out. I was yeah. I was paying him back because I think I've only drug out two deer out of out of Ripley when I've been hunting with you. So um, mm. I think Ziggy's drug all the rest of my deer out. So, which is three or four. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, a couple, a couple at least, uh, you know, good well, times. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, you've got a couple more deer stories, including uh, your first January deer. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's my latest deer here, um, and my biggest buck to date. Uh, I went down to Kentucky on a deer hunt. A uh, buddy of mine, Ryan, he uh, called me up and and he said, you know, I had a deer hunt fall through and I, I just want to go bow hunting. You want to go bow hunting with me? I'm like, all right, sure, I'll go bow hunting. I was thinking we were going to Wisconsin or something, you know, something cheap and something local. Well, he pulls up this Kentucky hunt. I'm like, well, that'll be cool, you know. So it's a, it was a guided hunt. And we went down there and did a, 
I, I did a three and a half day hunt. He did a five day hunt. He got got down there a little earlier than I did because I was with my kids mm -hmm. uh, on the deer on the on the gun opener at, in Minnesota. So I didn't want to miss that. I flew down, and we hit the rut at the worst weather I've ever seen rut. I mean, it was seventy degrees, terrible rut. So we ended up not getting anything, and. We, the guide said, come on back down in January. So we're like, all right, we'll come back down, do this again. So we went, we went back down in January and kind of hit the weather bad again. I mean, it was pretty warm for January. Obviously, this year is an exception for being warm. And it was raining a couple of days and, and everything, and we saw a lot of deer though this time. The first time we didn't see hardly anything. And seeing about 25 deer a day um, on these properties, they've got a 130 inch minimum. And so we were seeing a lot of bucks, but nothing that we could take. Um, I did see one other buck, but uh, this one was on the last day. And he, uh, it was raining all morning that morning. And mm -hmm. so we just slept in. We got up there and out hunting by like 2.30 in the afternoon. I said, and it was the last day. I said, well, if we're gonna go out, we might as well go out. We've got the rain gear, let's just sit. So I was out there and I mean, it was windy. I think we had 20 to 30 mile an hour winds with 45 mile an hour gusts. And I was sitting next to a tree that was dropping limbs like crazy, big limbs. Mm -hmm. and I look over and I kind of had a little break in the weather it's quit raining for a minute and there was four does that came out right to me and one of them smelled me got right under my stand I thought well this is over and I look down on the bottom and there's three bucks standing down there and I'm like oh man one of them's a big buck and the does were kind of skittish and they moved into the back and I'm watching this buck. I mean, he's raking the trees down there and he's, it was, there was a stream down there. He was drinking out of the stream and just, you know, kind of enjoying himself. And it was really looking back on it. It's really picturesque on, you know, taking that deer's life and, and watching it, just enjoy it down in, down in that bottom where mm -hmm. that stream was. Um, but anyways, there was two more bucks that came out in front of me and uh, down the hill and and this buck was the first one to turn towards me, um, the, the, this big one. And he came just strutting up, uh, strutting up the hill, just nice and slow and just, you know, waving his antlers around a little bit. And I said, this is my buck, I'm gonna take this thing. And so he, he got up and he got broadside to me and I had probably a five gallon bucket size hole to shoot through through the branches mm -hmm. um, right on his vitals. And he was, he must have been looking up at the does in the field or something because um, he was pretty well focused on them. But I had my hood up on my, on my uh, jacket because it was raining and I went down to get on my peep to shoot this deer and my hood went over my eyes and I'm like oh man so I'm sitting at full draw and I'm trying to get this hood back 
and <laughs> I go to back down on my peep and the hood falls forward again right on my peep and I'm like you've got to be kidding oh, me so no. I do it again you know kind of push it back same thing can't see through my peep so I'm kind of pissed at this point you know this deer is stopped but you never know how long they're going to stop so I just rip my hood back at full draw just flip it back as far as I can on my on my head and uh I shoot and I I made just an absolute perfect shot on him uh -huh. double lunged him um arrow didn't pass through but uh um he ran about 20 yards 20 30 yards away and and tipped over right in front of me and I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> oh man and you know just to just to watch him die and see those antlers sticking up off the ground and mm -hmm. and uh yeah, it was a really cool experience. So, well, that was a heck of a buck. First time I ever had to deal with a hood over my head, trying to get down on my peep. But you know, and that's one of those things where you practice and practice and practice, and one of those frustrating things happens. And you know, after all that, you're you're just shooting your bow um, due to your practice. Um, if if I didn't practice a lot. Who knows if I could have made that shot, but um, mm -hmm. but yeah, well, able you, to make an awesome shot. You know, I mean, you, I think it was Dan Fitzgerald. Um, he was I was a huge fan of his from when I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he kind of came out with these hunting videos. You know, I mean, he's I still watch his old videos. You know, oh yeah, he, he's just he was a clown back then. He's you know. But phenomenal, phenomenal bare bow archer, right? Mm-hmm. But one thing he said that, that I picked up as a kid is you got to practice how you hunt. So if it's raining, if it's snowing, you might be hunting. Go out and practice. You're not going to be just wearing a T-shirt or a flannel shirt when you're out hunting. You're going to be wearing... You know, you're warm clothes because you're going to be sitting outside for hours on end. Mm -hmm. Wear those warm clothes and practice. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my oldest son learned that lesson the hard way this last year. He had two shots on a deer. Both times, the, the damn jacket he was wearing on his bow arm was too big. String hits the, the coat. Obviously, the arrow does not have the trajectory that it needs and yeah. it does not go where it's yeah. supposed to you know you yeah. got to practice in what you wear mm -hmm. yep. you know yep i've had that happen a couple of times to me where it, the string hits the jacket and you know you don't you don't understand because you're focused on the deer at the time but afterwards you're like oh that jacket was huge yep. you know there's mm -hmm. no way that string made it past so yeah you definitely should be out practicing in your gear uh that's one thing that i lack at um, I don't practice a lot in my gear, but I've definitely noticed that you should be, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't ever wear an arm guard, but, you know, I've been fortunate enough to where I have not had to bow hunt during the cold months. I, I typically get my tag filled before uh, a lot of the archery guys around Minnesota, like to call them the Orange Army, shows up, mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, I got one scent blocker jacket that's got a built-in arm guard. 
Really? Yep. It's got a little yeah. zippered pocket. You can put it in there. And I put my coat on. I can tighten it up. Mm -hmm. So that whole forearm is pulled tight. It's never in my way. It, it's the last thing I need to worry about. Mm -hmm. yep. But now if I put on my winter jacket, that's a whole other ballgame. They don't have a built-in thing. So mm -hmm. you go by yourself a sleeve, slide it over the outside of your coat, you know, so it, it uh, takes up that bulk. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, that's what I hunt with in my heavy gear is a sleeve yep. over the top. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. I guess um, I practice with my coveralls on. I get this real thick set, and I don't know. I've been, I actually practice with it on, uh, with the harness, too. Yep. Um, even though I'm not tied off or anything, I just do it just just to see, make sure everything's fine. And it's kind of weird because the first thing I, in order to anchor, um, I have a big stocking cap. But in order to anchor properly, I have to put my right side up. So the first thing I do when I hear a deer is I put my right side up, and then and then get to grab the bow. And uh, it's it's been working out for me, I guess. But yeah, I, I do practice with my gear on. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got caught in a situation where I couldn't pull my bow back because I had so much, so many clothes on, and my harness all over the top of that, and I was probably chilled down too. My muscles were chilled down, and buck came in, and I could not get that sucker back. I, it, it just wouldn't go back, and. Finally, I said, either this deer is walking away or I'm going to pull my bow back and shoot it. So I I didn't care at that point. I pulled my bow back, and I got her back, and I killed that deer. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, that day, two buddies got a Ripley double. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the day that Ziggy shot his big, massive buck up there. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. Yep. See, and I'm a, I'm a harness-first guy. I don't like wearing my harness on the outside layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I put it on and all of my gear goes over my harness because you know my coats um have that slit in the back. Mm -hmm. So you can run your safety tether right up between your shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the only way to go. For me to put my harness on over the top, I'm afraid I'm gonna catch something, you know, because they got these straps and they got these little, you know, pull tabs and, and whatever mm -hmm. else, you know. And it's like no, I, I put that on, put it underneath. So, yeah. After that situation, that's how I do it now, too. Yeah. And <laughs> even if I'm wearing a jacket that doesn't have the slit in the back, I run it out the neck. Uh, I do that, too. Yeah. I took the yeah. hood off my coveralls. Yeah, because, I, you know, I'll always wear, you know, like a some type of neck gaiter or mm -hmm. something like that. So if my jacket's pulled off my back a little bit because of that tether, I'm not going to get cold, mm -hmm. you know. But... Uh, but yeah, I, I see guys doing it all the time, and it's like, man, safety harnesses are going to catch every little twig and berry in the damn woods when you're walking <laughs> through there, you know? Yeah, I so, actually put it on on my like uh, even before we leave camp. Yeah, I have my harness on. Yep, mine mine's like I I put my safety harness on before I put my boots on. Mm -hmm. You know, I get my base layers on, put my safety harness on. Mm -hmm. Now I got to slide my bibs on. Then my boots, because mm -hmm. I don't like trying to shove my boots through my bibs. You got some bibs, you know, if they zip all the way up to the hip, 
they work nice, but I got a pair now that they only open up to the knee. Mm -hmm. Trying to get my big hunting boots through those things is a bitch. Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, we could. I suppose it, uh, that's a heck of a good bunch of deer stories and stuff. And we'll yeah. probably start wrapping her up here and. I, I do have one one last story that, or mm -hmm. one last thing uh, for a, a success before we wrap it up. Absolutely. Um, probably my biggest success uh, that I wanted to talk about is um, just being able to see my family and my boys be able to grow up hunting and to watch them get their deer and to be able to teach them how to how to hunt and, and mm -hmm. just, you know, be able to do something that uh, they can do as passionately as they do. Um, and, um, I'm not the best teacher, but, uh, I think over their lifetime, they've got a, uh, a good head start and, um, yeah, just a good opportunity to continue mm -hmm. that on. So, you know, that's, I've, I've been able to see, uh, all of my boys shoot their first buck or, or first deer, I should say. And, um, uh, all except for my my youngest, he's. We'll see if he's going to be a hunter or not yet. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, all my first four four boys there, they've all got their deer. So, that's uh, that's one of my big successes mm -hmm. in deer hunting. What, and what's awesome about that is, you know, all your kids have really good character. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah they, they are. They're, they're just different. like their dad <laughs> and their mother. And they all have really good character, and and uh, I think the world of your kids, you know. I mean, it's so fun to, you know. I'm not a big part of their life, but it's so fun to see it on all unfold, you know. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to get deer myself, but to watch them get deer, you know, it almost brings tears to my eyes. Mm -hmm. Just, it's really a cool experience, and um, you know, I've been able to do that through Camp Ripley Youth, Youth Hunt and um, just other opportunities I've got. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, cool. that's really cool. Well, that's where we'll end it, ladies and gentlemen. Dave Fry, and uh, thank you very much for joining us today. If you want to connect, it, just uh, email us at bucksandbales at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, if you have any shoots coming up, you can email us that too. So, to the rest of you. Have a good one.